Sage is fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMBU.org, Many Voices United, and the RadioFreeNetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage the Rage Lewis. I was sitting at dinner this week, and my 16-year-old son turned to me and said, Hey, man. Do you think you have attention deficit? <laughs> I'm like, what are you, what are you, what are you implying? He's like, well, you know, seem to jump from one thing to the next. I, I don't know. When I was a kid, we just were taught that we're losers and we needed to suck it up. Nobody gave us any labels that like you know maybe we had a disability we were either smart or stupid let's see attention hold on i don't need to do that attention deficit signs let's find out if i have attention deficit no now they're showing me actual signs okay all right uh Mm, oh boy, maybe I do have this. How do I? Just want to look. Let's go to WebMD. Okay, could someone you know have ADHD? Maybe they're inattentive. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? In a, inattentive, not attentive, or they might be hyperactive and impulsive. Definitely am impulsive. I don't know what hyperactive means. What does that even mean? The fact that I don't know what this stuff means probably suggests that I am it. <laughs> they might have all those traits. Here's three groups of symptoms. Inattention, hyperactivity, impulsivity. It shows up when kids are young, around the age of 12. Show up much earlier. Some are diagnosed by the age of three. Okay, we're gonna find out. Inattention. You might not notice it until a child goes to school. In adults, it may be easier to notice at work or in social situations. <laughs> the person might procrastinate, uh, not complete tasks like homework or chores, or frequently move from one uncompleted activity to another. Hmm. Uh, I'm Look, I put this show out every week, but the reason I bring it up is because I felt like I'm like, you know, I've really wanted to do more interviews on this show and I put that off. Uh, I'm having trouble. I'd like to play audio clips on my computer and I can't figure that out on Adobe Audition very easily. How can I do that? How is it that I can go to open broadcaster system and, rec and play audio on my 
computer all day long when I'm streaming live or streaming a video, but I come over here to Adobe Audition. I, for the life of me, I can't figure out how to freaking play audio clips on. I mean, I've, I've researched it and I've tried it and it sucked. I don't understand, but I need to do that. So in a way I am procrastinating on like, so, okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little something about me. My chess game opens really strong. Okay. I, well, not anymore, but I used to know all the opening moves, all of them. I could get, uh, powerful positions in the opening moves with chess. Everything else sucked. My middle game was just bullshit and my uh, end game didn't even exist. Like I just couldn't even, I mean, it's like nearly impossible for me to checkmate somebody. And I always appreciated that because it like, is symbolic of my entire life, like in my work, like I'm, I'm a startup guy. Okay. That's what I like doing in business. I like starting shit. I don't like building things, growing things. I mean, I don't know. I don't mean to say that way. I like, I like starting and building things early on. I don't like growing things. I, I get really bored and, uh, confused about what to do. Now I'm also a great, um, crisis guy. I, I do really well in crisis situations. And, uh, and I think it's just because it's like, it's a do or die situation, just like startups, you know, like you either are going to do it or it's not going to get done. And I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But then growing it, it gets so muddled and confusing because it seems like I have endless ideas on how to grow something and I don't know, I get bored or I don't, I try one thing for a while and I'm like, eh, I don't know. And, and then I, you know, I rarely get out of the startup phase and I just always could see that in my, my chess game. It's just so apropos of who I am. So I feel like I have attention deficit at a certain point in the process of things, right? I get, I procrastinate and I don't, you know, I move from one thing or another after I start up something. So it could be, okay, so inattention. Uh, they might also be diagnosed, lack focus. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I generally have focus, but I lose, I get focused on little specific things. I move from thing to thing. Have a hard time paying attention to details. Oh my God details fuck details and the tendency to make careless mistakes eh, careless i get shit done it's not always their work might be messy or seem careless oh yeah that's me oh geez okay having trouble staying on topic while talking <laughs> what me i thought this show was about homelessness hmm not following social rules wow wow 
I'm now on my second illegal uh, camp for homeless people not following social rules. Fuck social rules. Be forgetful about daily activities, missing appointments, forgetting to bring lunch. Eh, sometimes, sometimes. I mean, but I, I use tools for that, like calendars and lists and shit. And then I'm pretty good at it. Be easily distracted by things like trivial noises or events that are usually ignored by others. Hmm. Trivial. Trivial noises. Hey, maybe. They don't seem trivial to me. Uh, having a hard time getting along with others because they can't read people's feelings and moods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Daydream a lot. Well, fuck yeah. Be too wrapped up in their own thoughts to hear you. Hmm. Probably. Probably. I wouldn't know. I can't hear you. I'm too wrapped up in my thoughts. Okay. Hyperactivity varies with age. You might be able to notice in preschoolers, ADHD, and nearly always show up before middle school. Kids fidget or squirm, get up frequently, walk around and run, run and climb, have trouble playing quietly, always on the go, talking excessively, excessively. can show up as feelings of restlessness in teens and adults. They also have a hard time doing quiet activities where you sit still. Uh, I can sit still. I'm a good sitter. I love sitting still. See, I can sit on a beach all day long. Hey, see, that's not me. Impulsivity. Symptoms include impatience, having a hard time waiting to talk or react. Yeah, I don't wait. Fuck that. Fuck waiting. <laughs> have a hard time waiting for their turn. Oh my God. My turn, my turn. What am I going to do? I'll wait all day. If I wait for my turn, fuck my turn, blurt out answers before someone's <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'll blurt. I'm going to blurt all day long. That's why I have a podcast like a blurt frequently or in interrupt or intrude on others. Mm, possible. This often happens so much that it causes problems in social work settings. I bet people would classify me as that. Friends might get mad at them or get their feelings hurt because of the way they act without thinking. Hmm. Yeah, I don't believe in thinking. Thinking is not for me. <laughs> Starting conversations at inappropriate times. I, I just think that's funny. Oh, geez. Pulsivity can lead to accidents like knocking over objects or banging into people. Hmm. Yeah. Like me and the mayor banging into that fucker all day long. Uh, children with ADHD may do risky things without stopping or thinking about consequences. Yeah. 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 They may climb and put themselves in danger for sure. Many of these symptoms happen from time to time in all youngsters, but in children with the disorder, they happen a lot at home and school with other friends getting diagnosed. Okay. I think I've diagnosed myself. All right. Uh, it has negative impacts on my person's, a person's ability to function at home. Ah, I think it helps me. <laughs> Overall, hyperactivity tends to diminish with age. Oh, really? But inattention tends to last into adulthood. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Treatment can help. Have learning problems that ADHD treatment may not help, though. As they grow older, some teens who have a disorder since childhood have periods of anxiety and depression. Yeah, I'm on I'm on anti-anxiety medication. I used to drink a shit ton. 
There are more demands of school and home symptoms of ADD may get worse. Children with hyperactive behavior may get symptoms of other disruptive disorders like oppositional defiant disorder. Fuck yeah, that sounds badass. What the fuck is that? Let me find out what oppositional defiance disorder is. Marked by defiant, disobedient behavior to authority figures. (laughs) Shit. that's not a disorder that's just healthy ah the cause of oppositional defined disorder is unknown oh yeah because have you met fucking authority figures fuck them symptoms generally begin before a child's eight they include irritable mood (laughs) argumentative defiant behavior aggression vindictiveness last more than six months may include significant problems at home or school includes individual and family treatment I, I think it's my superhero. Fuck these fuckers and their de- oppositional defiant order need treatment. Who says? I definitely have it though. Oppositional defiant disorder, but it's not a disorder. What do you want me to do? You want me to just be like, yeah, Dan Horgan, he fucking is amazing. God damn. I'm so happy. We have such a fucking amazing mayor. He just, you know, it's all fucking roundabouts and parks for that guy. He's going to solve the, the, the epidemic of, 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 of murders in our city. Like never seen before with fucking roundabouts and goddamn <laughs> parks. This is not a disorder, people. Dan Horrigan thinks it's a disorder. I, by that definition, everybody in the American Revolution had oppositional def- defiant disorder. Fuck these fuckers. God damn it. Who makes these <laughs> disorders? Often easily loses temper, is frequently touchy, easily annoyed by others. Oh my God, so fucking annoyed. Often angry and resentful. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, this is me. Argumentative and defiant behavior. Often argues with adults or people in authority. Sage. Often actively defies or refuses to comply with adults' requests or rules. Fuck those rules. Often deliberately annoys or upsets people. Oh, yeah. Often blames others for his or her mistakes or misbehavior. Hmm. I take full responsibility of everything I fucking do. Vindictiveness, often spiteful or vindictive. I hold a grudge. I try not to. Shown spiteful or vindictive behavior at least twice. Twice in the past six months. Twice before, since it's 10 a.m., twice today. Mild symptoms can occur in one setting, such as a home, school, worker with peers, moderate. Sometimes occur at least two settings, three or more settings. Hmm. Mostly it's just to the government. And that's why I, my, 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 my own boss, like, you can't fucking work with somebody else's business. Fuck those fuckers. <laughs> when to see a doctor. Ah. Child isn't likely to see their own behavior. It's a problem. Yeah. It seems like it's a, my superpower, asshole. Steady will probably complain about unreasonable demands and blame others for problems. Well, you tell me. Uh, 
who to blame for homelessness. I didn't cause homelessness. Okay. So I can't be the one to blame for people being homeless. Okay. I, now I will say I'm taking responsibility for that shit. I didn't cause it, but I do believe that's my responsibility, my obligation to humanity to try to resolve it. So a lot of people blame homeless people. The only people that choose homelessness are the governments and homeless service providers. They're the ones that have chosen homelessness, not homeless people. Okay, if your child shows signs that may indicate ODD or other disruptive behavior and you're concerned about their ability to parent, about your ability to parent a a challenging child, seek help from a child psychologist or a child psychiatrist's expertise in disruptive behavior. Hmm. I don't know. I think we want more of these people, don't we? Hmm. There's no clear cause of oppositional defiant disorder. Hey, Indy, I don't think I I might have attention deficit, but I'm pretty absolutely positively sure I have oppositional defiant disorder. Let me tell you. Tell me if I have this. Uh, Um... Okay. Hold on. Okay. Di- okay. Okay. Um, often argues with adults or people in authority. Yeah. Actively defies or refuses to comply with adults' requests or rules. <laughs> often deliberately annoys or upsets people. Yeah. Often blames others for my mistakes. Do you think I do that? That one, maybe, yeah. How about this? Uh, is often spiteful or vindictive? <laughs> yes. Has shown spiteful or vindictive behavior at least twice in the past six months. <laughs> See? See? No, I mean, you can, uh, I don't know. I don't know if eventually you just become an asshole like me. Like, eventually you go from being a child that has ODD to being me that's just yells at mayors and crap. I don't know. I can, I'm going to look that up. He wants to know if just children can have that oppositional defiant disorder in adults in adults. There it is. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. (laughs) What does it look like in adults? An adult with oppositional defiant disorder may feel mad at the world. May lose his temper regularly, even daily. This may manifest as road rage or verbal abuse. It may cause tension with authority figures and trouble at work. May tear apart relationships. Me and Dan Horgan do not have a good relationship. Here's what you need to know. And how it overlaps with ADHD. Okay. All right. See, this is good for me. This podcast. Adults with an oppositional defiant disorder display a pattern of negative, hostile, or defiant behavior that lasts at least six months, about my whole life, it includes four or more of the following symptoms. Okay, here you go. You ready? Lose, often loses temper. Often argues with family or coworkers. I do not argue with my wife. No, 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 no. I love my wife. I'll do whatever my wife says. Actively defies or refuses to comply with rules and laws. That's the big one. I had a 50-person tent village, They and they, I did let them shut that down, but now I have a two- uh, I have two tents in a tiny house and they can go fuck themselves because 
There are people dying on the streets of the uh, the richest, most Christian country in the nation, in the world, and nobody's doing a goddamn thing about it. So yeah, actively defies or refuse to comply with rules and laws. I mean, isn't that like what every activist ever? Martin Luther King? Deliberately annoys people. Yes, that's an activist. Blames others for my mistakes. I, you see, my son didn't even think I did that. I don't think I do that. I'll I take full responsibility for everything I do. Easily annoyed by others. Yes. Angry and resentful. Yes. Spiteful and vindictive. Yes. Okay. Adults with ODD are more than just aggressive and irritating from time to time. They me they feel mad at the world every day. <laughs> they lose their temper regularly. They manifest as verbal abuse or road rage. I do not road rage. But Dan Horgan can go fuck himself. Adults with ODD defend themselves relentlessly when somebody says they've done something wrong. They feel misunderstood or disliked, hemmed in, and pushed around. Yeah, there's fucking people on the goddamn streets of the richest, most Christian country in the world starving and freezing to death. I feel misunderstood. Yes, that you can't understand that atrocity. Jesus Christ. Now I'm the guy with the problem. See? See? Oh, there you go. See, it uh, blames others for my, misbeha my misbehavior. My misbehavior. Yeah. Yeah. I'm misbehaving because this shit is fucked up. Okay. Constant opposition. Yeah, to authority figures makes it difficult for adults with ODD to keep jobs, maintain relationships and marriages. I do not do this with my wife and my kid. I do not. 100%. Uh, and I am self-employed. <laughs> They're particularly quick to anger. They're impatient. They have a low tolerance for frustration. They see themselves as mistreated, misunderstood, and unappreciated. They see themselves as the victim rather than the cause of the pain in the family system. Damn. Okay, look, I do not have this in my family. I'm telling you, I do not do this with my wife. 100% I do not do this. I'll double check with her. I'll double check. I'll run through these. Things. Causes of oppositional divine disorder in adults is strongly genetic. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, my dad left. He was like, fuck these fuckers. <laughs> it runs in families. And several people in the same family may be affected. It often begins in childhood with patterns of rebellion against adults and their rules. Uh, father figures don't like me. That is true. Some children with ODD outgrow the condition by age eight or nine. Ah! But about half of them continue to experience symptoms of ODD through adulthood. That's me. People with ODD report feeling angry all of the time. I, I'm on antidepressants. I'm trying to chill that shit out. About 40% of them become progressively worse. <gasps> Develop antisocial personality disorder. Oh, fuck. I better go see what that is after this. Okay, hold on. Let's, let's put a pin in that. I'm going to open that one up. See how far this rabbit hole goes of my 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 <laughs> disorder. <laughs> Understanding ODD can help provide a neurological explanation for gut-wrenching feelings and is an important first step of finding treatment. You know what would solve my treatment? Sheltering all the Americans that need shelter. Okay? All right, you tell me who's wrong here. 
the gut-wrenching feelings of American homelessness? Do you know that there's 2,000 homeless kids in Akron every year that register? 2,000? There's over 500,000 people living on the streets of the richest country in the world. I'm talking senior citizens, veterans, pregnant women, children. Yeah, I have gut-wrenching feelings. It's fine treatment. Let's keep going. Symptoms of oppositional defiant orders at home. My spouse seems overly argumentative. No, 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 no. Happy wife, happy life. Your roommate's unnecessary hostile. No, I, I don't do this at home. Always needs to win an argument. No, never, never, never needs to win an argument. Continues fights against the man. Oh, that's fucking, yeah, yeah. My wife likes to make fun of me saying, but you are the man. I'm like, well, fuck the other man then. <laughs> oh, wait, leave socks on the floor just because he knows it annoys his roommate. No, I would never, ever, ever, ever do that. Cited for disorderly conduct by police. Here, let me read you a letter. Uh, June 10th, 2021. It's from the zoning department, Michael Antonucci. I don't know why Michael Antonucci exists. All he does is read fucking zoning laws. He does, he's pointless. See? Disorder, this oppositional disorder thing. Uh, the property at 85 Kent place conditionally zoned, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyways, there. Okay. Uh, therefore the tents on the property do not meet the definition of a dwelling unit, nor are they part of the dwelling on the property. Please immediately remove all tents and bring the property into compliance with the zoning code. Failure to comply with the zoning code will result in an order to comply and possibly administrative penalties. Furthermore, non-compliance with the zoning code will result in the revocation of the conditional use permit for the property. If you have any questions, please contact me to which I, I say, Fuck you, Michael Antonucci. You can go fuck yourself because there are people starving and freezing to death on your streets, asshole. And I know that all you care about is this bullshit book of zoning codes, but there are fucking people living on the goddamn streets of your city. See? Oppositional disorder. <laughs> Disorderly conduct by police. They're coming for me. They're coming for me. Here it is. What am I going to get? An order to comply. Order to comply. I already got one of those, and I did comply with my 50-person tent village. Now, this time, I put everything in a trust. I'm running this all through a charity, and uh, their order to comply can go fuck itself. <laughs> I'm sure it will show up. They, they, they do these things like clockwork. June 10th. It's uh, July 15th today. Ah, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Uh, you know who was probably told to comply? Rosa Parks. When she refused to uh, not sit on the front of the bus. You know who refused to comply? S African slaves on the uh, <laughs> Underground Railroad. You know who refused to comply? American revolutionaries with that fucking tax on tea. Remember those guys? Disorderly conduct by police. I don't like this 
uh, disorder. <laughs> Probably because it's too close to home. But I'm here to tell you, if we don't have people like us, we're all going to get steamrolled by the system. Don't you agree? I mean, I'm not in a position to uh, objectively counter this argument, considering I am this guy. But do you really think that, uh, that fighting continues to fight against the man? That's a symptom of a disorder. Continues to fight against the man. Authority figures in society, and it's a, it's a symptom of oppositional defiant disorder. It. <laughs> it's a disorder. You. It's saying here you should not do that. This is not a disorder. This is being an American. This is democracy. This is standing up for your rights to defend your freedoms. Yeah, the man fucking sucks. He's trying to take every freedom away from you. Hmm. But you tell me. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm delusional. Involved in bar brawls and physical altercations in public. Mm, I'm not really that guy. I, but I mean, I don't know. I try not to. I've never, never been in a physical fight. As a hair trigger temper, the littlest thing can set him off. Yeah, like homelessness, the littlest fucking thing. Symptoms of oppositional defiant order in adult at work. Near constant arguments with boss. Yeah, well, that's why I am self-employed. Commonly feeling oppressed by office rules. Yeah, self-employed. Purposely engaging behaviors that irritate coworkers. Yep, I pretty much don't have any more coworkers. Like eating smelly foods for lunch. Sanctioned by human resources. Oh, fuck human resources. Fired for being physically aggressive. Mm, yeah, it could happen. Has meltdowns during meetings or annual reviews ever receiving constructive criticism? I am a little sensitive, but I don't get constructive criticism because, you know, I'm self-employed. <laughs> if you experience these or similar symptoms, no, did you consult a doctor or mail their help for formal assessment? I, I don't need a formal assessment. I know I got it. Okay, let's go to this antisocial personality disorder. See what that is. See if I got that. Sometimes called sociopathy is a mental disorder in which a person consistently shows no regard for right or wrong and ignores the rights and feelings of others. Now that I don't have. I'm really trying to fight for the rights of others. Tend to antagonize many people and treat others harshly with callous indifference. I mean, I don't care what happens to the mayor. He can go fuck himself, but it's only because he's a fucking tool and he needs to be voted out. No guilt or remorse. I don't have any guilt or remorse about that. He's a terrible mayor. Terrible mayor. Individuals with antisocial disorder often violate the law. Well, yeah, becoming criminals. I mean, me and Rosa fucking Parks. They may lie. No, I don't lie. Behave violently or impulsively. I am nonviolent. Um, impulsive, though. Eh, problems with drug or alcohol? Oh, yeah, definitely. Had to quit drinking. And I don't do drugs because I'm sure I would love them. Because of these characters, people with a disorder typically can't fulfill responsibilities related to family. No, I'm good with, yeah, I don't think I'm that guy. I'm more of this other guy, the ODD guy, oppositional defiant disorder. 
to which whoever invented that, I say, fuck you. <laughs> feel mad at the world. <laughs> they don't call me Sage Against the Machine for nothing. Ah, I don't have enough energy to fight this disorder. I got too much on my mind. But uh, this is not a disorder. This is uh, standing up for your rights. Oppositional defiant disorder sounds like something that uh, a politician created or a bureaucrat. <laughs> Oppositional defiant disorder. Okay, yeah, never mind. Never mind. Uh, the other one, the ADHD, I don't know. My wife, during that conversation with my kids, was like, you know, well, do you feel like it's hurting your life? And I'm like, no, I mean, I, I do the work I, of my job that I have. I work on my clients well enough. I do my, 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 got my little tent village I'm working on. And she's like, well, you know, if you don't feel like your life is being hurt by your attention deficit, then who cares? <laughs> That's why I love you, honey. You're so fucking rational. And that's that's the deal about anything, right? Like, um, do you know this uh, professor that does heroin? Professor who uses uh, heroin. Let's see. Uh, Carl Hart. Is this the guy? Yep, this is the guy. He's super cool looking. Uh, cool black guy with dreadlocks. American psychologist and neuroscientist, a professor of psychology at Columbia University, known for his research in drug abuse and drug addiction. Hart is one of the first tenured African-American professors of science at Columbia University, and he fucking does heroin. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, became the first tenured African-American professor of science at Columbia University. His expertise is neuro psychopharmacology his general research focus on his behavior and neuropharmacological effects of psychoactive drugs in humans he has a particular interest in the social and physiological factors that influence self-administration of drugs he is the principal investigator at columbia university neuropsychopharmacology lab i can you believe i said that that's pretty good that's a hard word for a guy like me 99, Hart began investigating the effects of crack, co crack cocaine on behavior through 2009. That's 10 years. He reserved research grants totaling $6 million from the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Hart's research is centered around human subject experiments conducted in his research lab at the New York State Psychiatric Institute. It's located in Columbia University. Informally called the Res Lab, residential laboratory, the facility accommodated subjects for extended periods. A typical experiment ran for two weeks. The subjects, habit, habitual drug users, were given precisely metered doses of drugs such as marijuana, cocaine, and methamphetamine while being continuously monitored and tested. Hart opposes the brain disease model of addiction dominated, dominant in the field, which holds that addiction is a brain disorder. Nora Volkow, director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, states that visible differences in the brain of addicts helps explain the nature of compulsive drug usage. Hart states that most studies show that drug users' cognitive abilities and functions are within the normal range. Commenting on Hart's position, Anna Lemke, 
uh, head of the Stanford Addiction Medi- Medicine Dual Diagnosis Clinic, said there is evidence that long-term drug use can alter the brain and that intelligent, informed people can disagree on the disease model of addiction. He indicates a lack of positive outlets and activities as a reason for drug use in communities. He argues that drug laws intended to make society safer should be based on empirical evidence. Okay. Hart is also a research fellow. Right. In 2021, Hart published Drug Use for Grownups, Chasing Liberty in the Land of Fear. In the book's prologue, he acknowledges that he personally uses heroin for recreational purposes. He further argues that for the majority of individuals, recreational use of drugs has a positive effect and that journalists and researchers overstate the harms of recreational drugs. Hart is an outspoken is outspoken about misperceptions and misinformation regarding illegal psychiatric drugs and the impact that it has on drug laws. He states that drug policy in the U.S. and most of the rest of the world is based on assumptions and anecdotes, but rarely on scientific evidence. He advocates decriminalizing drug use through policies that are scientifically based rather than heavily influenced by social determinants such as race and class. As an example, he discusses the criminalization of crack cocaine uh, typically associated with poor communities and lack of similar criminalization of powder cocaine traditionally associated with wealthier communities. An example of how drug criminalization has been based on social problems re- rather than scientific fact. Hart states that the poor crime ridden environment he grew up in influenced his worldview. He believed that drugs were the reason for poverty and crime in most neighborhoods. Only later through his research did he come to believe that crime and poverty were mostly independent of drug use. Hart has lectured and testified around the world as an expert on psychoactive drugs. He testified before the United States Congress Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. He's testified on the stand and in written submissions in family courts in New York City advocating for uh, children to stay with parents who have tested positive for marijuana use, arguing there's no scientific basis for casual marijuana use having an effect on parenting. In one case, a mother had tested positive while giving birth at City Hospital and has been charged with negligence. Case was later dropped, 2013. New York Times editorial Hart commented on the toxicology report presented in the case of Trayvon Martin, where the indication of marijuana in Martin's blood was used as evidence that he might have been paranoid at the, uh, the night of his shooting, causing him to attack Zimmerman. Hart stated that the assertion subscribed to outdated notions of marijuana use, such as those applied by reefer madness, and failed to recognize the seven decades of research on marijuana that show the levels of marijuana present in Martin's blood were inefficient, insufficient to cause the aforementioned side effects and the effects mentioned are extremely uncommon in marijuana users. All right, so do you get it? Hart refuted Dutart's claim that methamphetamine shrinks people's brains and causes them to become violent. The aftermath of his speech, Hart began to receive online death threats which forced him to leave the Philippines. Shortly after, Dutart commented that Hart's claim saying that it's all bullshit to me and calls Hart a son of a bitch who's gone crazy. In an interview with Public Radio International, Hart described Dutart as a president making such ignorant comments about drugs like his, like he's a pharmacologist and added that Dutart has an out of league when he talks about drugs. That was amidst uh, President Dutart on Phil in the Philippines. So at any rate, um, we got to keep having these conversations. 
um, because we're bringing a lot of emotional baggage to uh, all of this. Homelessness, addiction, mental health, poverty, race, blah, 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 blah. We color all of these things with our beliefs and our emotions. We just can't stop it. I can tell you this. I spend a lot of time with people using meth. A lot of time. And I never feel physically in danger. I'm oftentimes annoyed at the incessant talking. Uh, I sometimes cannot take listening to the stories of how this rock understands the history of the universe, which it does. I get it, but it's just not interesting to me. It's like, you know, like an alcoholic that like is telling you the most interesting story of their life, you know, and you're sober and you're like, oh, my God, this guy thinks this is the most important thing on earth. And this is the most boring story I've ever heard. Meth users are a lot like that, you know. I used to be that guy. Um, and in a way, isn't it a little sad that we can't get excited about things the way an alcoholic or a meth user does, right? The euphoria of it all. They're not wrong about their excitement, about the thing they're excited about. They're just, it's not interesting to us because we're not on the same um, psychological plane as them at that point in time, you know? We like don't understand, we don't appreciate what they're saying. Now, if you're, I would imagine, I've never used meth, but I would imagine a, a meth user talking to a mother meth user. I don't know. Would they find that interesting? I'm not sure. But I know that a lot of like, you know, drinkers talking to other drinkers, they get really into the bullshit conversations drinkers have and they're all excited, you know? They have a happy drunk is. It's a wonderful thing in many ways. I mean, I don't enjoy being around them anymore. <laughs> I was a happy drunk. Happy, happy, happy. Uh, I think it's because I'm a happy guy. I want to be happy. But, you know, we have homelessness in the richest country, most Christian country in the world. It's a little hard. To look beyond that. So, yeah, I question society and I question the man. I question the machine because the machine can't be trusted. The machine propagates its own morality and belief system and pushes us around so that we bend to its desires and wishes. And its desires and wishes, as you can see here, this guy Hart 
the first tenured guy in psychology at Columbia says that crime and poverty were mostly independent of drug use. Now, can you see the problem of this? This guy likes to do drugs. So who's to say his judgment isn't clouded by his beliefs? But I, of course, like his position. So I'm like, oh, have you read? Have you read the? Have you read about Hart? You know, he advocates decriminalizing drug use through policies that are significantly based, rather, on heavily influenced by social determinants. They're scientifically based rather than heavily influenced by social determinants such as race and class. Well, here's the thing: there's very little science about drug use because drugs are illegal and scientists can't do studies on them. <laughs> but he does make a good point about how crack cocaine typically associated with poor communities is criminalized and powder cocaine traditionally associated with wealthier communities has, has less criminalization. I mean, let's face it. If you're a lawyer doing Coke, you're probably going to be fine. You know? Nobody's, nobody's going to turn you in. You're just a rich guy trying to, you know, get through life the best he can. <laughs> but if you're a poor black guy doing crack, you're bringing the neighborhood down. You're a problem. And so now because there's all these murders going on in their cities. We're, we're getting more police. Black Lives Matter wanted us to defund the police. So, of course, you know, we're getting more police because fuck black people. Black people uh, are not cared about by the system. We all know that. You should know that. Black people fucking know it. Anybody that like can look around can see that black people uh, don't matter to society. Did Abraham Lincoln want African slaves to leave America? Lincoln desired to return former slaves to Africa or other tropical regions with their consent and accord of the authority of the country where they were settled. He repeated his support for colonization numerous times, including during the American Civil War. The great liberator. He wanted fucking black people to get the fuck out. <laughs> Here's an article. So remember that time Abraham Lincoln tried to get the slaves to leave America. No, you didn't, don't. But it happened well into his presidency. Aaron Gordon, speaker, speaks to the man who tried to paint a true human portrait of the great emancipator, even though you don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's called colonization. He wanted slaves to get the fuck out. That's what he wanted. <laughs> Fer Lincoln was fervently making plans to send all freed slaves to the jungles of Central America once the Civil War was over. That's on PolitiFact. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Only thing that kept this from happening was his assassination. <laughs> yeah, so we all get it. Black people are not wanted around here. We wanted them, you know, for their free labor. And then once we couldn't have that, we were like, well, now you need to get the fuck out. You need to get the fuck out. <laughs> Either be a slave or get out. Martyred President Abraham Lincoln was firmly making plans to send all freed slaves to the jungle of Central America once the war was over, knowing that African society would never allow the slaves to return back to Africa. Lincoln also did not want the slaves in the U.S. He thought the jungles of Central America would be the best solution and conducive to the free slaves' best interest. The only thing that kept him from the happening was assassination. Lincoln long favored colonization. <laughs> uh, anyways. So. It, if you think that you live in a world where black people are like, oh, now everything's fine. We love black people. You are living in a fantasy world. Okay. Same with Native Americans. Same with poor people. Same with homeless people. Same with poor drug addicts. This is who we are as a nation. Judgmental assholes. Okay. Now, what is that CRT? What are we talking about? CRT? Critical race theory is a body of legal scholarship and academic movement of civil rights scholars. Seeks to critically examine U.S. laws that intersects with issues of race. Okay. Why is it under attack? Is critical race theory a way of understanding how American racism has shaped public policy or a divisive discourse that pits people of color against white people, liberals and conservatives. If you can't, if you, you're not going to believe this sharp disagreement, the topic exploded in public arena this spring, especially in K through 12, where numerous state legislators are debating bills seeking to ban its use in the classroom. In truth, it divides. The divides are not nearly as neat as they may seem. The events of the last decade have increased public awareness about things like housing segregation, the impacts of criminal justice policy in the 90s, and the legacy of enslavement on black Americans. But there's much less consensus on what the government's role should be in righting these past wrongs. Add children and schooling into the mix, and the debate becomes especially volatile. School boards, superintendents, even principals and teachers have already facing questions about critical race theory. And I'm stretching a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I feel better now. There are significant disagreements even among experts about its precise definition as well as how its tenets should form K through 12 policy and practice. Okay. What is it? Critical race theory is an academic concept. It's more than 40 years old. The core idea is that race is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. 
How can you not believe that? But I guess people believe it. They're like, no, 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 no. There's no racism in our legal system and policies. Basic tenets of crystal ray theory emerged out of a framework for legal analysis in the late 70s and early 80s, created by legal scholars Derek Bell and Kimberly Crenshaw and Richard Delgado, among others. A good example is when in the 30s, government officials literally drew lines around areas deemed poor financial risks, often explicitly due to the racial composition of inhabitants. Banks subsequently refused to offer mortgages to black people in those areas. Okay. See, that is uh, racial bias and prejudice in legal systems and policies. Don't you think? Don't you think? Oh, we don't do that anymore, Sage. <laughs> well, we don't, do we? Today, those patterns of discrimination live on through uh, facially race-blind policies like single-family zoning that prevents the building of affordable housing in advantaged uh, majority white neighborhoods. Can't <laughs> and thus stymies regal de racial desegregation efforts. CRT also has ties to other intellectual currents, including the work of sociologists and uh, literary theorists who studied links between political power, social organization, and language. And its ideas have since informed other fields like the humanities, social sciences, and teachers' education. Okay. All right. Look, I can go on and on. Does it say that all white people are racist? Isn't that racist too? The theory says that racism is part of everyday life. So people, white or non-white, who don't intend to be racist can nevertheless make choices that fuel racism. You can't believe that? You can't believe that, huh? Okay. Some critics claim that the theory advocates discriminating against white people in order to achieve equity. They mainly aim those accusation theorists who advocate for policy explicitly to take race into account. The writer Abram X. Kendi, whose recent popular book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, suggests that discrimination that creates equity can be considered anti-racist as often cited in the context. Fundamentally, though, the discrimination springs from different con conceptions of racism. CR2 puts an emphasis on outcomes, not merely individuals' own beliefs. Okay. All right. So, I, I, anyways. So, look. Everybody's getting fucked in America, all right? Everybody, except this small subset of people that are aligned with the ruling class, okay? Everybody, even billionaires. Not all billionaires are getting an easy ride on it, okay? I'm talking about the oligarchy, the ruling class, okay? They are the enemy of the rest of us. Okay. Now, not only do we need to look at systemic racism in America, we need to look at systemic classism in America. Because, while generally speaking, conservatives don't really care what happens to black people, liberals don't you typically care what happens to white poor people. It's weird. They're the same people. You know why? Because we're people. We're American people. We've all been indoctrinated into this system of judgment and polarization and anger and, you know. 
Uh, what is that thing I am? Oppositional defiant disorder. <laughs> That's who we are. It's what built us. But I'm here to tell you, white people, black people are not your enemy. And yes, we have racism built into the system. Just look at all the stats. Okay. But white people, we have serious systemic classism. Look at what's going on in Appalachia. These people are getting fucked every day of their lives. Your obsession with the environment is torturing humans. Okay? By shutting down the coal industry, liberals, by shutting down fracking, by shutting down, like, all these service uh, industries that, like, a lot of white people were in, you are destroying generations of Americans. And whoever the fuck sold our jobs to Mexico, fuck you. That hurt everybody. That's classism too. You know why? Because they're like, look, we don't think your jobs are worth anything. You're getting paid too much to build cars around here. We're going to go down to Mexico where they pay uh, manufacturing people a realistic wage. <laughs> that's how you bypass uh, everything. That's how you bypass the uh, unions and you further oppress poor people. Okay. I've been hearing people talk about truckers. Can you imagine what would happen if our truckers just quit? Holy shit. Holy shit. Truckers are everything to us. Garbage men. We don't give a shit about those people. So yeah, there's racism, but classism is is even more sweeping and if you're poor you have fewer and fewer places to live in america and the liberal elite is done with your poor ass thank you for listening to sage and the houseless movement a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide